My name is James Callis. I play Dr. Gaius Baltar on Battlestar Galactica, and you're listening to Galactica Quorum. Previously on the Galactica Quorum. What is so great about Tori? I'm just saying I've noticed that every time she's around, bad things happen. So what do you make of that, though? Is it just the, the fact, fact that, that she's not there? That there was the main cast, and she's sort of yeah. not quite like A or she's B, never been, B plus she's level? Been, or, she's yeah. going to be the assignment of the final five. The Cavill line that is not shot, do they somehow rebel, or is this the beginning of like a civil war with the Cylons? See, that's what I think. I think it's the beginning of a civil war. Like a break apart. Kill Tori, kill Tori. <laughs> my name is Dimitri, and my namesake is a poop vessel. <laughs> Rock on. Hello, and welcome to the Galactica Quorum. This is show number 40. It's a fracking podcast. Hi, I'm Brian, and joining me today is... Dimitri. Michelle. Ted. We are a podcast about Battlestar Galactica. We have a website called galacticacorum.com. And an email, gquorum at gmail.com, G-Q-U-O-R-U-M is how that's spelled. And a voicemail, 206-350-6756. Please visit our website. Leave us some feedback and send us some voicemail. Visit our forums. Join in on the fun. Just up front, I want to say that we have not listened to the official Ronald D. Moore podcast. Is there one? And there still is not one. There's not okay. one for the first two yet. So we're still waiting for him to finish his directorial duties and come back to the world of podcast land. So we will not have any spoilers. We don't even discuss previews. I think Michelle might be watching previews, though. I am. <laughs> I, don't, I didn't watch a preview because why would you want to ruin it for yourself? For the most I'd say 50% of the time, I don't watch what's going to happen next week for shows that are potentially, you know, something big is going to happen because I don't want to, I don't want to be told. Like when the Matrix movie was coming out, when Star Wars, when the first of the prequels was coming out, I didn't watch any previews. I walked through Target and there was like toys and stuff. I put my head down because I wanted to go in clean slate. I don't know what's going on at all. The more I care about a show, the less I want any previews or hints at all like i don't watch the open of the well, show because show really like the, 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 the drums they yeah. show you what's gonna yeah. happen and yeah, this, this is how that. bad it is for me now it's like i try to like not look and see who the guest stars are because mm-hmm. right away this time i said like, oh richard hatch is on oh yeah. zarek is gonna be coming on yeah. and so yeah. when he pops yeah. up it's not a surprise yeah. i mean out of all the shows out there this is probably the best ride i think i've ever been on and you know i'm the type that likes to throw my hands up on the ride and really enjoy it so, you know, I don't like to know what's coming either. All right, so I'm in the wrong here, so well, then, bite me, the, okay? You're not in the wrong. You're not in the wrong. I mean, it's your prerogative you're, to watch it, but what we're saying is we want to be here, you are in the minority. We want to be surprised no, when when something comes up. But would you agree that by watching the previous leaves, you have a little bit of insight into what's happening? You have a little insight, but you don't know all of it. Yeah, we know something. Well, right, you know a little something, but you don't know everything so you're still surprised no but i'm talking about for this discussion you've seen the future oh for <laughs> next week i have no idea because 
whatever preview they had looked like a mishmash for the entire season, and it was just like all Wait, over the place. You're talking, about, you're talking about the beginning of the episode where they showed previously on well, the end. Are you talking about the end where they showed the end. from the next? The one. next season. Because as next. far as the beginning, the previously on, that can give you insight as well. Yeah, yeah. I don't watch that. So how I don't watch those either. I don't watch that either. Out of all the three, you know, the part that's in with the music at the beginning, previously at the beginning, and then, you know, the, the scenes at the end, I think the previously is the least revealing of the three. Yeah. But I still try to avoid even that much. The previously, to me, is how they attempt to shape set up. stuff that happened in the past to set up what's going to happen. Yeah. It's like all the stuff that happened before happened, but the way they put in the previously kind of like makes it more important that it might not have even have been when it was in that episode. When they're doing the previously at the beginning, they're trying to just set up because there's so much stuff happened in the past to try to Absolutely. say, okay, we're gonna we're gonna follow Absolutely. this. But story they are, line. but like say, Absolutely. like there might have been like one line that someone had said, right? That at the time didn't mean we watched anything. it, didn't mean anything, and it just happened to be this episode where they wrote it and they're like, hmm, we need this to be, we can well, spin this into something we need to more. spin it into something more, and so we'll put in the previously, not make it seem like it didn't come out of just left field somewhere. Speaking of which, I think we have a correction to one of our previous podcasts. There's a post on our message board where someone tells us that. Regarding a statement that Rosin knew about the final five from Baltar, which I thought was a fabrication by the writers, person says that in the episode where Baltar is interrogated by Adama and Rosalind with the mind psychotic drug, Baltar starts talking about the final five specifically before he babbles about being a silent himself. Rosalind takes great interest and starts asking Baltar who the final five silents are, but Baltar doesn't give any info about them to her in that episode. I guess that's true. I forgot you know what? about that. That was 14 fracking months ago. I don't remember. <laughs> Sorry if that is true. The fact that it was that long ago reminds me that when we did a season premiere for this season a couple weeks ago, it had literally been a year since the season finale from last year. At the time, we were like, oh, it's going to be a long time. They'll be back in, we thought, January or February. Probably had no idea that it would really be literally a year. But that isn't the thing that even blows my mind. The thing that blows my mind after realizing this was we started this podcast in November of 2006. Mm -hmm. So that means that we had recorded a podcast about Battlestar Galactica, which had been off the air for a year. So we had recorded a show in the off season for longer than the show had been on the air. So more of the podcast, more of the, more more of the podcast off season took place stuff. in off season. More of our podcast had taken place right. right in off season. Yeah. Then we had, how do we do that? That is a, that is a hell of a <laughs> We pulled a lot of shit out of our asses. <laughs> uh, Michelle was pulling shit out of her ass. I was spewing knowledge <laughs> and insight. Point, be very, very grateful that those weren't video podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> if I had known that it would really have been a year that we had to like come up with material. I think we did pretty well. We had a couple interviews. Just a few little news items to note. Ron Moore has been tapped to create and write an all-new sci-fi movie franchise yeah. for United Artists. Yep. Is it United Artists that Tom Cruise has been trying to yes. bring back on his feet? Yes. And they keep making these crap movies? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's Well, it's, you know, it's Ronald D. Moore. I, I, I applauded the moment I read that. I Can you tell me what you're talking about? Basically... Every studio has their own pet franchise that's like their cash cow. There's 20th Century Fox, or I guess well, Lucasfilm owns it, but there's like the Star Wars franchise. And there's the Paramount has the Star Trek franchise. And everybody has their own sci-fi franchise that is like their own. United Artists does not have one. And they've gone to Ron Moore, it sounds like, and said, make us one. So he's going to write a movie 
for them, and hopefully that will be the thing that becomes their brand. I just hope that they do not cast Tom Cruise. Because if he says, well, you know, this is my company now, I'm going to be in the movie, it's going to tank. I mean, or John I Travolta. Couldn't they yeah. spit, I think he could they, Tom could they okay just on take report? the Galactica thing yeah. and go with it? I mean, you would want to mention company. It's owned it's by Universal. Yeah. yeah. But you, can't, you can't cross that. Universal, it's Universal's baby. Yeah. And, uh, and United Artists, it's a subsidiary now, right? But I don't think it's under that same umbrella, the NBC Universal umbrella. And they've said that they don't want to take Battlestar to the screen. Who knows? If the money talks, they might do it. Who knows? Is it this franchise only to make a movie a sci-fi? Just, you know, this, this franchise would start as movies. It'd be a new original concept, and it certainly could spin off and do all kinds of very interesting things in the future. But I think it's supposed to be an original, an original property, right? Yeah, it's supposed to be original property. So it wouldn't be a remake. It wouldn't be... You know, spin off of something else. It would be an original concept, I think. A couple of podcasts ago, we got a email from John who gave us a really great theory about how the Final Five download into other people. And he sent us another email on a different subject. I'm breaking it into two parts because he has two different ideas. This is regarding Apollo leaving to pursue a role in the government. He says, I agree that there is no real power in the Quorum of Twelve, except maybe on individual ships where they make their own law, and that Rosalind and Adama rule the whole fleet alone, but clearly this is the writers moving Apollo into a position where he can become some kind of leader, maybe the president, after Rosalind dies, most likely in the mid-season cliffhanger. This puts the two Adamas in charge, puts Ron Moore's favorite father-son conflict in full view again, and allows Baltar to gain more followers by taking up his manifesto about the caste system in place in the fleet and the ruling Adama elite. I guess that could be true, especially what we saw in this episode with Lee taking a role. I'm questioning they're definitely They're definitely moving him into some sort of position where he could become like the leader. Okay, but here's his other idea. My other idea is about the head Baltar 6 thing. Since I don't like the hole that is left when you stop and think about Caprica 6 and Baltar being alone together for months on New Caprica, and they don't once mention the people in their heads to the other... I'm forced to come up with something to explain it. I can only guess that neither of them saw their head character the entire time they were near each other. And here's my random, no proof of it, theory about that. Head Baltar and Head Six are the same entity. It is a real entity that really exists, but it pops between Baltar and Six, and maybe others, to guide them toward their destiny. The head Baltar the Baltar can see is the same real head Baltar that Six has always seen, because the real entity looks nothing like either of them. It's something bigger, perhaps the final Cylon. See, it's always made me wonder what Deanna and Rosalind and Athena were seeing when they go to the Opera House or to the Eye of Jupiter Temple or whenever people go to see those ghostly and robed Final Five. If there's something between life and death, as Deanna says, then what exists there? If at least most of the Final Five are live beings existing in human form on the Galactica, what is communicating with Deanna when she's between life and death or inside the temple? What plane of existence is this? And is that plane of existence where the head character lives? He goes on to ask some questions about the mysterious number seven, since we talked last time about how there's that hole in the line of the skin jobs from one to six and then skips seven and goes to eight. Taking all of that, I kind of got an idea of my own, and I'm kind of making an amalgamation of John's idea and some of my ideas, and this is what I came up with. And I know we said <laughs> we're done with the final five theories, but you know this one just popped into my head. Okay, here's my idea. The, the fifth Cylon downloaded into six and Baltar. While they are on New Caprica, it didn't surface because they were united. They're in close proximity again on the same ship, and the program is alternating between them. Now for the new part. 
why is there a blip in the skin jobs between number six and number eight? I think the head version is seven. The reason there's a gap is because it was the first attempt to make a different Cylon than the previous six. It was supposed to be the first of the final six, but it wasn't quite perfected. And when it died, the resurrection went wonky and it got lost, a ghost in the machine. So for number eight, they reverted back to a previous method to avoid the same problem. Then for numbers nine through 12, they just abandoned the ability to resurrect altogether. That's my theory. And I'm sticking with it until the next email comes in and changes my mind, (laughs) (laughs) which could be tomorrow. I guess, sure, why not? That's what I say. Just throwing it out there for people to... Yeah, I'm not I'm not talking about the Final Five anymore. <laughs> five, I said five, I was done. Final Five are dead to me. <laughs> I was done speculating on what the Final no, Fifth one sense. is. So. It makes sense, because usually, I mean, if, if you know, six and six makes more sense of a place to start something new, I guess. It might explain why the eighth are kind of weak. I just think, they've, and this is a weak connection, but they've shown us in the opening credits since the beginning the scene where Baltar is covered up by six when the blast goes. And I've always thought that's a great image, but it could be also just Ron Moore waving a clue in front of our faces all this time saying, when that happened, there's a shattering, a fragmenting of the final five that was downloaded into them or something. I don't know. Maybe I'm just reaching. Or maybe the blast, the radiation, the Cylon, and the human got a new compound was made. Mm -hmm. And that's your... Maybe... Who knows where the resurrection ship... I mean, well, clearly they're being attacked with this, but it must have been a resurrection ship nearby. So the nuclear blast goes off. Blondie gets radiated, gets absorbed into Baltar. They kind of... Their DNA is mixed, and then her consciousness is shot up into space to get resurrected. But she's, she pulls along, you know, hmm. like in Star Trek. Someone's getting beamed up. If you grab them, you go with them, too. Right. So maybe something like that. You know, they get beamed out together, and it's, so it's a... Some sort of weird hybrid. Not a physical hybrid, but like a mental hybrid. Mm. Soul hybrid. (laughs) We have a few voicemails this time. I'm going to play one up front, and I might hold the two off till later when we actually talk about the episode, because they somewhat deal with uh, discussion about the episode. So here's the first one. Hello, my name is Scott. I go by Skiznot on some of the forums. And I was thinking about some of the mysteries of the show in terms of physical manipulation. And I threaded a couple of ideas together. Way back in the pilot, Baltar probably should have died in that explosion, but he didn't. Then the president was going to die, and she got a Cylon blood injection or something, and she was saved. And the son of uh, one of Baltar's followers was going to die, but he didn't. And Cylon head six woman seemed to know what was going on. And then, uh, this is a bit of an extrapolation, but the fact that all of Baltar's followers are women and what looks to be gay men leads me to think that perhaps their physical attraction is being manipulated biologically. And then there's Baltar's hallucinations, which could be a sort of neurological manipulation, which leads me to ask, could there be a nano Cylon model getting in people's bodies and, and running amok? Like, uh, for example, Maybe uh, the boy at some point got some Cylon blood in him. And, you know, I haven't seen that doctor for a while. I wonder what, what happened to him. But maybe the boy could have like, nano Cylons in his blood and they could be activated to start healing him at the right time or something like that. Anyway, there was lots of potential implications from that line of thought. And I wondered what your thoughts were. And thanks for all your hard work. It's uh, 
nice to listen to you on the work day because nobody around me watches the show. So it's good to listen to your discussions. Thanks. Bye. Why not? Yeah. Well, we talked I mean, a little not, bit. Not nano necessarily, but what if somehow, you know, what I just said, the blast, the six DNA or whatever gets blasted into Baltar. Somehow there's some sort of something. Maybe Baltar got resurrected. Maybe he's the fifth. Maybe he's the Messiah. He touched the boy. Somehow, whatever. Maybe he. Does, maybe it's not just blood. Maybe it's sweat. Maybe you know whatever it is. He healed the boy with his with, a, with his body or something. I don't know. I mean, it could, you know, this is the second call we've had that mentioned nanites, and I don't know if it goes to that level technically on this show, but I think he has a good point about the physical manipulations because. There is some mysticism that's sort of being talked about, but there is this physical stuff that's happened, and it needs to be explained in some manner. And I can't just wave a wand and say, oh, it was the magic Cylon dust of, you know, the Final Five Angels or whatever. That's not going to fly. There has to be a reason for some of this stuff happening. I mean, I agree with you. I think that even though they're flying in space and they have the FTL drive, which I think is probably their highest form of technology and then there's a huge gap between the FTL drive and everything else because they still call each other on telephones with you know wires hanging out of them and they yeah but not all the battle stars were built that way no what I'm saying is the, the technology the rest of the technology is very relatable to what you know we have here right mm-hmm. so you mentioned that the nanots in the other podcast and uh, I just think that that technology is really kind of futuristic right and this show, in my opinion, is not, it's kind of grounded. It's not, it's not like. Well, I mean, that's a Stargate out. thing. And I just don't see them t- pulling out the same thing that Stargate did. But even in Stargate, it was, it was like these well, advanced yeah. well, race yeah. that was doing, I mean, they were, you know, these brainiacs were making it, right? So it wasn't like just an average sort of race. So I mean, you have to have a big head, see-through skin and big eyes, you know what I mean? <laughs> 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 I like the theory that, you know, the other part of it, I'm not really hot on the Nanites, but I kind of like what he was mentioning, like the correlations between the people who have died and when they've died. Before we move into our episode discussion, just want to plug another podcast. This one's called the Q the Film Podcast, and here's a promo for it now. In a world where you can't find a movie, the Cue the Film podcast comes at the most dismal time. This movie is like, there's an implosion and like... Pretty colors. The movie features a three-hour clip of a wonderful waterfall falling. Four men and women vow to do the impossible to make a podcast where alien movies. Sappy love stories. I love you. Never let us part. The bad news is I'm dating Fisher Stevens and blockbusters. I'm king of the world, even though I personally have a vagina. We'll meet and coexist, kind of. I'm some random British guy you've probably never met. Here to tell you the Cue the Film podcast is here. Find it at cuethefilm.blogspot.com. Bring out your dad. Bring out your dad. But this is why I love podcasts, because you can just come up with anything and come up with this 
idea, this creative idea, and it's out there. I, I'd love it. Yeah, I like the fact that basically there's a podcast out there for anything. There's a really popular podcast on knitting. Yeah. Really popular. <laughs> I have... I know someone does a knitting podcast, and it's yeah, it's it's amazing that just anything gets an audience. I think it's awesome <laughs> because you know before there was really no forums for this. I mean, you know, people all had ideas, but you had to either have lots of money and have a TV show, or it, it all was about money and making contacts with important people. But now, you know, just a bunch of friends yeah, with a, just a little bit of technology can, mm-hmm. you know. You need to have really high concentrations of interest in a, in a geographical location previous to the uh, internet, and you know, right. so you get like you know a local user group, you know, right. you get a knitting circle mm-hmm. or something like that. You might know three or four people around you at any given time that, that might watch the show. You know, you go to a website, you do a podcast, and you've got hundreds of people interested. Yeah, it's you know, cool. All right, ready to move on to our discussion of the episode? Bring it. Okay, this is for. The episode, The Ties That Bind. Oh, just so you know, I read some of the comments on the YouTube video from our previous episode. Mm -hmm. And somebody said that you need to speak faster to make it more exciting. I think there's a a setting on your Windows box. It'll do that for you. And (laughs) the the uh, YouTube video you sent where it was your synopsis reading and then the guy put the video clips to... (laughs) It's awesome. I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely cool. That Actually, definitely he did cool. a second one. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's two now. He did yeah, the, yeah. the last episode. That's the one that had uh, the comment that awesome. you need to speak faster. See, that's funny because I listened to our previous podcast and I thought I was reading really fast. Too so I Maybe you just myself, need to be more animated. You guys can't see me in podcast <laughs> land, but I'm just like, my arms like an octopus. I'm, I'm Italian, so I'm like, just blah, 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 blah. <laughs> uh, all right, I'll read at normal speed, and you can adjust it as you like using QuickTime. Okay, here we go. The stars are spinning around Callie's head as Nikki's cries fill the room. The swirling mix of the mobile lights and her antidepressants have her in a haze, but Terrell's not to be found. He's in the bar with Tori, who is energized by her newfound Cylon identity and embracing what she sees as a metamorphosis. Not so with Tyrrell. I don't do well with change, he says, and there is an omen if there ever was one. After the uprising in last week's episode, the Cylons are divided and relations are frosty. Cavill is back at the scene of his demise, where the centurions who did the deed are now scrubbing up his blood and guts from the walls. Awkward! Natalie Six gives Cavill some demands, to which he agrees. As he leaves, he notes the centurions and the big can of worms that Six has opened. Starbuck is seeing all sorts of stars, just not the right ones. Aboard the Demetrius, she pours over charts and deals with the grumblings of a restless crew. Starbuck is painting again, this time rendering what is the most overt reference yet to the mythical ships of light from the original series. Anders wants to talk to her, but Starbuck has another idea. She says, I don't want to fight, I want to frack. Someone should write a song with that lyric. Poison or somebody. After the least romantic sex ever, aboard a garbage vessel, how could it not be, Starbuck reminds Anders, I'm not the same girl you married. Lee is installed as a member of the quorum, and we finally see that government body in action. Lee hasn't usurped anyone's authority in a while, so he brings up a classified document in front of the press corps. Speaking of insurrection, under the guise that Deanna is going to be unboxed, Natalie's base stars jump over to her resurrection ship, but it's a trap, and silent civil war erupts. Callie is hanging on by a thread and soon finds out that her husband is not the man that she married. In shock from learning that Tyrrell and Ty and Tori are Cylons, she takes Nikki into a launch tube. Tori appears and talks her away from the venting button, but then whacks her. Callie stirs to see Tori holding her child on the other side of the glass. 
and then the launch tube opens to space. There is no air for Callie's cry, and the stars are spinning. Roll credits. I'm going to miss Callie. First of all, I'd just like to say I wasn't at the podcast last week, and I couldn't have picked a worse name for the sewage uh, recycling <laughs> ship. <laughs> uh, my name is Dimitri, and my namesake is a poop vessel. <laughs> Rock on. That's the best they could do as an homage to you. Yeah, thank you. I guess at this point I'll play a second voicemail. Hey, everybody. This is DC Boston. First, I'd like to ask you how many people are sending you faxes to this line. Kind of surprised by that option. But um, I just wanted to uh, put my two cents in about uh, something that Chavel was talking about uh, before tonight's episode. Well, I think he was hinting towards you know, the chaos that's going to happen now that the Assyrians uh, you know, are sentient and uh, they're going to be operating on their own. I think that was sort of a deal where he was sort of playing the parental figure. You know, obviously he's old, you know, he looks older than the other units, you know, number one or whatever, but it had the tones of, look, I'm older, I'm more experienced, I've seen more, I know what's going to happen, and telling the kids, being sick, boomer, you know, look, too bad, this is the way it is, this is the way it's supposed to be. And I think what he's talking about is, now that what is basically the military of the Cylons uh, can pick for themselves, they have free reign. There's no military force to stop that. You know, as many guns as Boomer can wield, what is she going to do against two of those insurance? They're going to just rip her down so quickly. So I think what he's talking about is chaos that they'll never be able to control, which I think gets into, if I can start tangent here, gets into what happened before. I think that's maybe what happened a long time ago with the Cylons that perhaps the older versions, original toasters, had the same sort of thing happen. They developed maybe a, um, they could pick themselves, so they decided a better model, uh, which made me sad, there's that guy that that had like a crystal ball or like a a lava lamp thing, uh, Lucifer, I think. You know, maybe that was the, the, the second generation, and then those things are the ones that figured out, hey, uh, you know, we got to stop the, the centurions from being able to think. So they did that, and then that Lucifer model is what ends up uh, being the, uh, the makers, the creators, and, you know, that's the chain of uh, higher evolved uh, version dialogues that end up being the skin jobs. So what I'm getting at is, you know, Cavill knows this, and the reason they have this um, protection, I forget what they call it, in the, the current insurance is really that, it's protection, because once they're uh, able to think on their own, there's, there's going to be nothing to stop them, because they're just too powerful. So um, that's it. It's not really anything with the, the final five. I tried to say with, uh, I know how much you're loving everybody talking about that. But um, just something fun I thought uh, to think about, and uh, who knows, four or five hours here on the West Coast, I could be completely wrong. Then I hope you can just delete this and forget I ever called. Thanks. Great show. Keep up the good work. Can't wait to hear you next week. Bye. On the contrary, dude. You hit it. I mean, Yeah. Well, and I think that's apparent when that one centurion is cleaning up the blood and the camera zooms in on him and he kind of looks. Yes. I was just going to say he cocked his head and he looks at the camera. Yeah. I think they're going to start. They're going to start doing the buyer command thing. Yeah. And she had to ask, please, 
Yeah, I think that now that the chip is out, you're never going to get the chip back in. That's what I said last week. I was like, there's no way she's going to be able to go up to them and go, okay, I'm going to put this back in you. And they're going to be like, no, I'm sorry. You know, forget it. It's completely unraveled. That that is the the big point of it all is that in a way it's sort of mirrored on the colonial fleet side too. the argument that like the government and the military has always been in charge and no one has checks on them. We see this happening on the Cylon side. Now it's like now no one has checks on the guys that got the guns and they are legion. There's many of them. Yeah, there's way more warrior Cylons than there are skin jobs, I think, right? Because, yeah. I mean, you always see like 10 Cylon skin jobs having a conversation, but when they go to war, it's just like ships after ships are coming out of the base stars to go to battle. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot of them. We're having a conversation on our message boards and talking about since the Centurions have the inhibitor gone and they have sentience, would it be cool if there was a few of them that developed personalities? I think that'd be cool if there was like a Centurion character. The only problem is budget, is getting one of those guys to be different from the rest. This caller kind of does mention the Lucifer from the previous original series, which, you know, maybe they won't do that, but it would be neat if there was like a Centurion who maybe they kind of dumbed down the CGI to like make him less glinty or, you know, whatever they had to do to like make him Less expensive. Well, I mean, the way not make him expensive. Don't have him walking around. Just have him. Yeah. He can sit down. And like I was saying, last pad. Couple- that would be that would be awesome, right? There would be that would be a sign if they're all like sitting around that one table. If blah 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 is happening, and the centurion just comes up and sits down. I mean, do they talk? That's what I said no. last podcast. Yeah, I was like, it'd be yet. cool if they could give them a voice, not the, the cliche from the before, but something unique and sinister. And metallic. Metallic, but yeah. just really kind of... Well, they have a mouth, right? I, I mean, that just seems like a lot to develop in, what, 20-some-odd eps? Oh, but I don't care. I think it'd be cool. But I think I'd be all about that. Considering the rate at which they're, they're giving us clues... I don't think you actually have to develop it, because they've pulled the thing off, the chip... And then this week she said, you know, can you escort him back to his ship? Please. I mean, right there. That's already, That was enough. Yeah, that I was think, enough. I mean, this guy, yeah. you pulled his ship. He's, you just said that you're pulling my ship because, you know, my fighter brothers are being butchered. And you didn't want to do that because we're not your servants. So, yeah. please. Oh, okay. I think everybody that watches so think, the show knows at this point that that is probably where it's going to go. Mm-hmm. That they're going to develop and their then, own logic. And theoretically, I guess. It. I mean, they're warriors, but, I mean, how do the warriors, the centurions, communicate between one another? They must speak. I mean, they have to speak to each other. Well, right? I joked about it last time saying they had Wi-Fi, but that's probably true. No, I mean, they, exactly. They yeah. probably have wireless communication that's being sent as a part of a network. Because yep. that's what they're all about, the network. That's how yep. they spread around the, the first go around the first war is they infected ships with their network and i'm still stuck on the voice thing i mean if you give somebody legs and you give them arms and they look human and they've got eye and they can hear you why not give them a voice box they maybe just well, they never have had to, to yeah. use it because if they're on new caprica and they were like the the police force before they got the the humans to like be their sub police force they would have to have been able to like walk up to someone and like give them instructions. I couldn't just like gesture and like do pantomime or something, you know, they would have had to have had a little voice or, box. Yeah, they're chasing I, I somebody think, or whatever. And they can say, you two go that way. We're going this way. I do think it's significant that we've never heard them speak. However, just Probably so when they will. do bring so that out, do, we can all go. Like, <gasps> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I, yeah, it probably will happen. I just don't know how much they'll develop it. The one thing that's prohibiting them from having this 
Cylon uprising, the Centurion uprising happened, is the fact that we already have a civil war that's going on that really literally exploded. The Cavils versus the, the Sixes, that the base stars are destroying each other. I, I, don't, I don't see why not, though. I don't see why they, they couldn't, because these ladies, you know, had this idea, and so they removed the chip, and they think that the Centurions are on their side, but I think really, they're probably going to be on their own side. They're going to be on their own side. I they're really just they're going to they're going to back off, and they yeah. theoretically they could pick sides, go both ways. You know. Okay, so going back to how the series will end, is this where they separate themselves from the metallic versions? The metallic versions who are still fighting and shooting in like the skin job at the final 12 realize that they have to ally themselves with the humans. So we're saying the metals go off and then the skin jobs join the humans. So at some point in 40 years, the metals will come back and I don't see this as like another cycle happening. I just see it as a reason for the hybrids prophecy to come true where he says that the two enemies are brought together. And the reason they might, they might be is because the Cylons are like, this civil war is your enemy literally is killing. Yeah, it, it's killing us. Those guys are, are nuts. We never should have done it. Let's do this together. We so really- after this civil war, I guess we're not going to see Natalie again because there was no resurrection ship anywhere nearby. And they made it quite clear that they were really killing them. And Boomer and Cavill have a relationship. What is okay, that? hold on. That's gross. Okay, hold on. Wait, I have, I have to play. Uh, so it was Boomer that was wait. dancing around naked. Yeah, I have, wait, yeah. I, have to, I have a voice spell to play. Hey, guys, this is Amanda from Pennsylvania. Sorry I haven't called in a while. I just got to say you guys are doing a great job with the podcast. And I got to say this. If you ever get a chance to see Grace Park at a convention, go. Do whatever you can. Just go see her because... I was fortunate enough to go see her recently in Burbank, and she was one of the coolest, sweetest, nicest person you could ever meet. She was so intelligent, but she was so fan accessible. She was personalizing everything, talking to everybody. Go. Right now, I'm even a bigger fan of Sharon than I was before. Keep up the good work. Can't wait to your next podcast. Bye. I play that one because I would ask, what is the one question that previously you would never had to have asked Dean Stockwell at a con? Uh, what was it like seeing Grace Park dance around naked? Close. What's it, <laughs> what's it like to kiss Grace, like Park? To kiss Grace Park? Bingo. No, yeah. yeah. Obviously, every line has their individuals who are doing their own thing, and they're, they're forming their own relationships. So now Boomer and Cavill are forming this relationship, and it's interesting that they know who is who, even with all the other lines. You know, they can tell the individual personalities. But... They're scheming together now, which is interesting, too. And she's scheming against her own line. You could see she was second-guessing herself. She was second-guessing herself. The thing about Boomer, which I wonder, is in the last season, she had sort of a vindictive streak about her. She felt very... She had animosity towards the Athena Boomer. And she was there holding the child, and she was, like, in an aggressive way. And I could see that. And this new turn of hers, I'm wondering what the impetus for it is. Like, what's driving her character now to make her side with Cavill? Yeah. Go take against... It, take it to the core of that character. She's looking for a strong replacement for Adama. Is that what it is? She needs a daddy so. figure. The other thing, she had a line in the previous episodes where, when she cast her vote on the Cavill side, she said, we have to defend ourselves. From who? That's what I understand. Like, if that was the case, then... Was she saying against the fleet or defend ourselves against 
the possibility of the Raiders and the Centurions yeah, gaming. I wasn't sure about that line. It was kind of it was out there, and it didn't like really get substantiated in any way. That's what I kind of mean. I'm like, I don't know what her motives are, or where she's coming from right now. Well, maybe maybe it was just, we need to defend ourselves. If we don't fix the Raiders, they won't fight. So we need to fix the Raiders so that we can defend ourselves. Let's move to the the final four. You can start with Tori or whoever. Tori's such a whore. She is oh a my whore. God. Wow, man! I I want to shoot her myself. Well, this is what's interesting to me is that we were saying before that she's the most marginal of them. Last season, she had a little she, bit of a role. Her they are definitely went, taking her and putting her up there to compensate. She is definitely embracing. Yes, the new self. Well, more than know, any other. I mean, I don't really recall her personality being. A bad girl from before. I don't really recall her having a personality. Yeah. Or anything. You know, she was just kind of bland. Yeah. I mean, you could go either way, right? You can either be bestowed with uh, some sort of power that yep. either makes you a superhero or makes yep. you a villain. And this power already comes with a stigma of being a villain. So, you know, maybe her true colors are coming out. What made my jaw hit the table was that swing. That, that was, was that, that yeah. swing. That was that not was, a human swing. That no. was, and that's what I'm saying. She's the furthest towards like you know embracing her her new self. That she has these superhuman abilities. I think everybody's accepted it, but she's embraced it to the point where she's converting herself into yeah. a badass, right. into a Cylon. Yeah, so she's so. making herself yeah, well, and, and evil. We just said that. I mean, her identity was very you know she didn't really have one before, right? As far yeah. as we knew, and it kind of sounds like she's taken. You know, the stereotypical Cylon identity, and that's now her. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I agree. I don't know to what end, because, I mean... Well, it had to be done. Like, I think they did a good job, actually, because we were saying that she's such a marginal character before. They basically, producers probably just said, we can't have one of our main final Cylons be this person that no one really cares about. Let's take it and just go nuts with it. Beef her up a little Beef her up yeah. big time. I also wonder if when Aaron Douglas was saying... Oh, he wasn't happy with it, being a Cylon. And then they talk to him about it. When they say that, and they say, I wasn't happy to find out I was a Cylon, it was because they were, you know, they like Katie Sackhoff had said in our last podcast, how you think you're one thing for a long time, and they switch it on you. Like, they thought they were playing a, quote, good guy. Even though, like, humans have their flaws and their character traits that are not the best, they still were like a human, so they saw themselves as like a good guy. Now he's playing a Cylon who's, quote, a bad guy. But could it be that they said to him, like, you're a Cylon, but look, you can still, like, be a good there's guy. Already, there's there's yeah. already a Cylon on Galactica that's a good girl. Yeah. So, so I'm wondering if, like, choice. I'm wondering if, like, if the Tory is going to be the bad one and, like, Aaron is going to go, th- or Tyrrell's going to go through this thing where he's, you know, obviously he's going to, he's going to just, like, totally going to get his mind job on him. He's going to go nuts now, right? Mm. But it might just be his thing, like, maybe him and Ty are the ones that'd be, like, going to rise above it. Maybe. He's, he's going to find out. At some point, there's going to be a reckoning. Yeah. He's going to find out. And Maybe what he does to Tori. her will be biblical. That's kill Tori. Gonna... Kill Tori. <laughs> no, that's what I was thinking. They didn't very well be made that yeah. black and white. Yeah. You know, the separation between good and bad in the final fight. Just like we're seeing with the rest of the Cylons. Yeah, the Cylons are still conflict. Yeah. You know, and I think maybe you might see one or two of the final five spearheading each side of that. Really see it just split all the way up. If you haven't filmed the Kill Tori episode yet, I would like to come on <laughs> as a guest star and do it myself. <laughs> really, really would. <laughs> see, they, they've done an effective character because mm-hmm. people, people now love to oh, hate her. I really right. hate her now. No, How can no, you not? Just, I mean, just, so it's, it's, uh, let's just talk about the fact that 
they put the child in the launch tube, and at least at some point you were in your mind you were thinking, are they going to go there? Are yeah. they going to do this again? They didn't, but they did something almost as bad. It's like, I mean, kid probably is too young, but I mean, imagine just being scarred for life if you have like this recollection of your mother just. It doesn't get much grimmer than that. I mean, they've done grim stuff on the show. That's probably the stuff in Razor. Well, with the they, civilian they followed it up with her frozen face yeah. in space. <laughs> that, was, you know? that was good makeup. How about we talk about the Demetrius? Yes. And uh, the merry band aboard that ship. I was a little shocked that Gato was in that crew. Oh, I was a little shocked that they were handpicked by Adama to go on this mission. So Adama is not going to handpick a bunch of sissy ass bitches. And they were all whining, right? <laughs> I mean, they were they either they they were handpicked or they volunteered. Yeah. I like to know how they arrived at the composition of the group. And I don't mean like Adama, how they arrived at it. I'm curious how the writers came up with Right, because they're all big. These guys they're, all, uh, they're all the characters we've seen before. Yeah. None of them are like no, red a, shirts. There's a red shirt. There's one red shirt. There's a red yeah. shirt. The Some one that was laying on the man, bed. Like The two most minor is Celix and this guy we've never seen before. Maybe um. he's been like in the background, but I've never seen him. But it's like... All right, we've got Anders, which I can understand. He would volunteer because he wants to be a Starbucks, even though Starbucks wants him for only one thing. Then you've got Gata. I'm shocked that Gata was in that Gata is an odd choice. Hilo being there, uh, all for Hilo. Well, Athena being there is kind of odd to me. Where's Hera? That's my question. It's like, who do they trust to take care of Hera? It's like they go on this quest. They're like consumed with getting Hera back. And then it's like, we're going to go on this mission where this is not just like some mission we're going to go we're going to be gone for we're going months. To be, we're going yeah. the opposite direction of the fleet. We're going farther and farther from our only lifeline that we possibly know about. And we're going that far away from our daughter. That is weird to me. That is weird. I just want to know who's watching her. Well, Gaeta is in the first couple of seasons. He was all about setting up the FTL drives and jumping and stuff. So maybe he's there for that. Beginning of the season, I mean, Gaeta was tasked to help Starbuck figure out the celestial points or whatever. Yeah. You know, that yeah, yeah. Yeah. he was a logical choice from that perspective and it did follow. But yeah, it was just a very interesting group. Just as far as CGI goes, or not even CGI, but just uh, since they're on a poop ship, it, it seems really weird because they sent the poop ship, right? <laughs> Don't they need a poop ship in the fleet? I mean, wouldn't, sure it made, wouldn't it make more sense to give them something that's a little more agile, not something that recycles poop? For a poop ship, I mean, why was it so freaking hot inside? Well, so they could really so methane, methane, methane. Yeah, I like how the vipers were kind of vipers strapped to on the top. top. Yeah, vipers on top. Get, that was awesome. You know what that reminded me of? How you get into the viper? You know what that reminded me of? That reminded me of submarines, old school submarines that had biplanes strapped to the tops of them. Mm. Right, that's what that reminded me. of. You put on your helmet, and you walk outside, and you get in. Yeah, it's the same as uh, when they jack. They've got their suits on. So. Uh, that's true. But yeah, I've, I've been saying for a long time I'd like a new ship. And but a poop is, ship? No, I'm, 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 I'm <laughs> I like the I'd like to see more of it. All I've seen are like some uh, rotating views of like the bridge and you know yeah, a little bit yeah. here and there. I like Actually, to see more of it. Whoever directed this one, it was very different. Just Callie's kind of weird things going yeah. on. Yeah. The blurriness, you know, here she is, and then Tyrell's mm. far in the back blurry, and... You know, here she is, and she's playing with her pills, and the pills in her hand the are kind of blurry. They, yeah, they up on the cinematography was yeah, it was different. You're right. This is really a, a very different use of camera for sure. Let me tie something in from the Demetrius. Another reason I don't think nanites are in the game 
is because Starbucks has got all these charts on paper, which is fine. I can accept that because, you know, the poop ship may not have just you know, a sextant. Well, yeah, but she's got a sextant. Or, and she, it wasn't even a sextant. It was just a compass. Yeah. You're on a starship. You are going from one galaxy to another or whatever, and you're looking for a planet. Where's the compass coming to play? I mean, are you really going to go... Well, uh, this width of compass is 90 million light years. It just seems silly. The thing that's silly about it, really, without getting too anal about the whole thing, is they're looking at uh, a map of the star charts and everything, but what's the problem with that? That's 2D. Yeah. yeah. Space is three-dimensional. Four-dimensional, really. even, Even another thing is that... The first two episodes, there were about the farther they were going away, her head was hurting because she was losing the vision. It almost should have been more. Uh, she needs to look out the a window. A feeling, more. a feeling. She should be just like, okay, we got to jump here. Here are the coordinates. You know, set it up. What about the painting? I couldn't tell what it was. I think it was our soul. They had a flashback, and they had like the it looked like Jupiter, and there was like a comet. It looked like a comet. Yeah. yeah. And there was a light here, a light there, a light there. You know, of course, everyone freeze-framed it to see what it was. And there's, like, little blobs. I wasn't sure what it was. But then when she painted it, darn if it wasn't the ships of light. It really looked like them, didn't it? Did you did you notice that? No. They definitely, they definitely looked like ships. Uh, they, were, they, were, they were crystalline. Yes. Oh, had, yeah, yeah, yeah. They had yeah. things oh, sticking out. Okay. Whereas in the, the shot, there was, like, the flashback that she saw... There was just it like a blob of light. Like when she painted it, it was like... See, looked- I have to go back and watch it because I know there was that scene where they kind of zoomed in on it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't pay that much attention. I was, was like, like oh, it's a comet. Okay. It was like a mental picture yeah. in her head. So, I mean... Take a look. That's why I brought it up in my recap. I was like... Maybe we, we are keep bringing going it up, there. But it's like, God, that was really, really... If it wasn't an homage, it was just totally... Well, Maybe we're going to go there. <laughs> oh, here's the other thing that bothered me. When they did the whole... I don't want to whatever, I just want to frack. Oh, here, I wrote it down. I don't want to fight, I want to frack. So then, then like, Anders, like, throws her against the wall. I want to frack. So Anders throws her against the wall, and they start kissing, and then then he throws her on the bed, and all I'm thinking is, there's all this paint on the bed. And they're like rolling all over it. Well, you know, and it uh, smells have... like shit. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing, right? Have you ever like, uh, uh, I don't know. The recap writes itself. You, you, <laughs> if if you burn something in your kitchen and you're in the house for a while, the smell kind of goes away. You go outside, you get something on the mailbox. You come in, you're like, oh my god, it's gross. <laughs> but if you're in here a long time, you get used to That's it. That's true. I mean, it's not like they can go anywhere else. I mean, right. they're in the poop ship. It's going to smell like poop. It's not like they can, you know, I'm going to go outside and take a breather. You're dead, right? So I don't think we can get past the poop ship mm. or having problems with that. Keeping on Starbucks for a second. More clues, at least to me, I think when she says, it's like watching myself, not experiencing it. Yeah. They're dishing out more stuff and maybe she's just saying it and maybe that's a red herring for us to think something else. But maybe she really did die and she's... The what you said, she's the parallel that was well, put in her slot. I mean, maybe, but I just think that she's just nuts. I don't think she's the fifth because if she is the fifth, I'm not going to be totally thrilled about that. But here, I don't. I don't remember what the hybrid said about who the fifth one is. It's it's a leader or something. What is it? Clawing toward redemption. I've thought about that because she is a leader now. She's a captain of the of the poop ship, right? <laughs> okay, fine. She's the she's she's the captain of the Demetrius, okay. And nobody likes her. 
everybody's second guessing her. They're all whining about her, but nonetheless, she's a leader, and she is looking for Earth because of something that she believes, no one believes in. That she so, knows the way, and she's trying to prove. And it she's she trying does. to prove it, and so maybe the redemption comes when they actually see something. Mm-hmm. And as they get closer or whatever, things start to appear. And so maybe she could be that person because they've built it. They've set it up that she could be. But the hybrid also said that Kara was the harbinger of death. Something like that. Something like that. It was bad. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you you can be both. You could be the savior of the human race and lead them to a place of glory. And you get there and our son goes supernova and then everybody dies. True. If she's watching herself, she's not experiencing it. It almost sounds like she's an avatar in some way. Like what she sees and hears is someone else is getting her stimuli in a Maybe weird way. Maybe she's not even really there. Well, she is there because everybody else sees her. <laughs> that doesn't mean diddly. I don't know what it means. <laughs> I hope it means that this whole thing isn't some simulation in which she's like the, the focal point. She's so stuck saying, on that. Um, she's stuck on the malfunctioning uh, hollow deck. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, 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 I hope not. When you get, you know, you think you talk about cycles and loops; those are programming terms. And I hope this doesn't like come back to be some weird thing like that. Where it was all a dream. Yeah, <laughs> a big what if it's computer an alter- dream. What if it's an alternate universe? All right, you want to talk about Lee at all or in his? Well, actually, I had a question, and I'm sure you caught it because you're an eagle. I'm sure you guys caught it. When Lee was giving his acceptance speech, they dubbed over a word. Yes, mm-hmm. I noticed that. The name of the, of his predecessor. When he said his delegate, the, whatever. It was like, yeah. blah, blah, blah. I was like, it was they did. blatant. Maybe he said it wrong. I don't continuity? know. Maybe. Yeah, I think maybe they, they changed the name. Probably continuity. Because it'll probably flash back to something. and it'll like, to Maybe it. they didn't realize they had named that oh. delegate in the past and caught it. and They actually did it twice. Because he did mention the name again during the, the first meeting. And you could actually hear it there as well if you listened. Did I mention Tori's a whore? <laughs> no. What are you, what, what, and you when, well, she's sitting there rubbing Tyrrell's elbow. And I'm like, oh, you're open to the, when, when Callie uh, finds out that Tyrrell's the Cylon and they're having that discussion in their room, I didn't see that wrench coming. I was like, wow. <laughs> this show... Basically, today's show was it was just a really good thriller for me. Mm-hmm. It was just jam-packed and a thriller. I loved it. I mean, two or three times, I was like, whoa, whoa, I didn't see that coming. There was tension, too. Towards there the was end. tension, and I'm like, I mean, I didn't watch the, the laters, the whatever, next week's, but I am jonesing for next week's show. I'm uh, looking forward to it. I'm going to miss Callie. I really liked her. I mean, even though they didn't do a lot with her, she still was a really good character. Well, now that they've removed a kind of a secondary character, we'll probably will see more secondary characters go die in some way or be removed. A lot more red shirts going by. But, but uh, when are they going to get to having a big character? A big character be removed, killed. There's no reason to say. Do you consider Tori a big character now, or are you talking about big characters from before? No, I think someone like in the one of the cast pictures from like season one. You know, like one of those. Right. Guys. Right. Right. If you think about it, for four seasons, no one has left. Well, you know, I think... Boomer, they, not Boomer, but Starbuck died, but not really, so... I think they could, I think if they killed the president... I'd say six season, I'd say, I'd say, you know, the two-part cliffhanger, I, I, I'd expect um, to be left wondering if one of them is actually dead, and then to find out at the second half. 
But, but I definitely agree that we're going to see a thinning of the herd mm-hmm. leading up to the middle of the season. Let's. Uh, Are we going to grade let's, it? Let's grade this fine episode. Well, honestly, other than the star charts that didn't have their corners cut, <laughs> I don't think there was anything wrong with this show for me. It was a thriller. I loved it. It's an A. Um, I'm going to give it an A. I liked it. Actually, I liked it better than the previous episode. Really? Hmm. Yeah. Since I gave this an A, I want to take away my last A, make it a B plus, because <laughs> this one is an actual A. I like to post a correction <laughs> for last time's podcast. I misquoted myself. <laughs> I, I, I actually am going to give it an A minus. I think it was a really, really good app. Right up there with the first two. Maybe even the best of the three this far. Solid effort. <laughs> I really liked some of the... Again, it comes back to the writing. Like last episode, I loved a lot of the writing things they put into it. A lot of the little... The themes they had going and like these little running parallels that they had running through it. I liked that a lot. I liked how Callie was like hanging by a thread mentally. And like she's seen literally, you know, eavesdropping. And she's hanging there. Her state is precarious in many ways, physically and mentally. And it's just little, little things like that are really nice touches. So, all right. A minus. Yeah. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> I think people will remember this episode because of Callie and just a lot of the things that happened and Tori. started and ended a lot. I think, yeah. It, it really did. I think, yeah. Worthy. Yeah. And I, I think Nikki Klein did a fantastic job. Definitely. In that episode. That was a good swan fantastic. song performance. No, yeah. No doubt. Yeah. I really like the way they, they worked. You know, all the new new cinematography elements and just direction into it as well to kind of... It was uh, exciting. Yeah, I was. All right. When uh, Starbucks says, I'm not the girl you married, and Callie sees that Tyrell might not be the man. I mean, it, the writers put that there. That stuff is there for you to really get if you really look at it at that level. They should do an English course about this show. They might somewhere. We can see if they like maybe, maybe there's like a, a college level course that's examining Battlestar Galactica and like just looking at all the little subtexts and all the parallel themes that are running through it. And two episodes in a row now they've done that. I think they did a great job writing wise. Okay, that wraps up this episode. This has been a fracking podcast, and our website is galacticacorum.com. Our email is gquorum at gmail.com. That's G Q U O R U M. And our voicemail, 206-350-6756. Until next time, bye-bye. So say we all. Just mention the fax number real fast. There is an option on our voicemail to send a fax. No one ever does it. But we do get faxes. It's from whoever had our <laughs> our line before we did. So I get, now and then, I get invoices for a bicycle shop. I have no idea <laughs> what that's about. <laughs> but...
And the funny thing is, we used to have an old number that we sadly lost. And I wonder if whoever got that now is like, what the fuck is this? (laughs) (laughs) Why are these people talking about Battlestar Galactica? (laughs) I'm trying to sell bicycles. What the fuck is a Battlestar Galactica? Uh, 